well. Let's stand if we can, if you're able to do so for the reading of God's Word. Isaiah 35, verses 1 through 4, uh, to begin with, we'll be quickly reviewing what we looked at last week, and then we'll be hopping right into um, uh, our notes. Verse 1, the Bible says, The wilderness and the, sol- and the solitary place shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing, the glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it, the excellence of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. Strengthen ye the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even with God, uh, with a recompense, he will come and save you. The title of the Bible study, once again, we began this last week, The Righteous Kingdom Established. Let's pray. God, help us tonight as we look deeper into your word and finish out this chapter, doing our best to study it and understand it. Lord, give us some things that will encourage us and motivate us to go forth and be a great witness for you, both with our lifestyle and with our lips the rest of the week. Thank you for how you've already warmed and stirred our hearts through song. Lord, now move us uh, closer to you through sermon. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Well, we looked at Isaiah 34. We said Isaiah 34 and 35 are connected together as one prophecy. And Isaiah 34 puts the emphasis on the passionate wrath of God against those who have positioned themselves to be his enemy. And Isaiah 34, we find the prophecy of the battle of Armageddon. And uh, there in that chapter, it talks about how that uh, the blood will flow. And in fact, look at verse 3 of Isaiah 34. The Bible says, Their slain also shall be cast out, and their stink shall come up out of their carcasses, and the mountains shall be melted with their blood. Uh, God is going to come down in the form of Jesus Christ, riding on a horse. Revelation 19 gives us great detail. He'll open his mouth, and swords will devour his enemies, and the blood will flow. There will be carnage everywhere. Isaiah 34 goes on to tell us that the enemies of God will be gathered and he'll sacrifice them like animals on an altar because of his passionate wrath against their wickedness and their positioning themselves as his enemy against him. Isaiah 34 points us to the wrath of God against uh, a wrath of God against his enemies. Isaiah 35 points us to the passionate love of God toward his friends. And we began last week by looking at number 1, the consternation of the Jews. The consternation of the Jews. We said that uh, most likely this uh, these chapters were written while the Jews were being surrounded by the Assyrians. We looked at 2 Kings 18 and 19 and we saw Hezekiah on the throne. Assyria has pushed past the 10 northern tribes. They've invaded Judah. They've shut down the highways that will come into play in the Bible study tonight. They've shut down the highway system and uh, they've surrounded Jerusalem and uh, they've got 165,000 soldiers. They're threatening to overtake uh, Jerusalem and uh, there Hezekiah turns to God in prayer and he sends messengers to Isaiah uh, for Isaiah to step up and help. We see the consternation of the Jews. They're, they're, they're worried. They're upset. Uh, they're frustrated. They're, they're uh, concerned that their whole country is going to be taken into captivity 
just like Israel was. And oftentimes we can be buried in problems. We can feel as though the walls are caving in on top of us and we don't know where to go or who to turn to. Whether that's an emotional struggle you go through, a relational struggle, a health struggle, oftentimes those things are intertwined and uh, they can be so intertwined we don't know which which is which. And uh, then we can get to a place where we don't know uh, morally and spiritually which way is up and which way is down. And in those times, we need to turn to the man of God and the Word of God to encourage us and elevate us through those times of great struggle. We see the consternation of the Jews and they turn to Isaiah. Hezekiah had enough moral sense not to run anywhere but to the house of the Lord and lay his complaint there. Run to the man of God in Isaiah and seek help. And that brings us to number two last week. We see the comfort of the prophet. The comfort of the prophet. And we looked at letter A and B last week as we laid out for, uh, uh, we laid out in Scripture, Isaiah 35, the encouragement that Isaiah offered in this time of great struggle. Letter A, we looked at the excitement of the land. The excitement of the land. And we saw uh, in Isaiah 35, uh, let's see, verses 1 and 2 and then 6 and 7, where the earth is going to rejoice when King Jesus sits on the throne. Uh, right now the earth groans and it, it, it desires. We looked at a bevy of verses. We looked at uh, Romans and Genesis and Psalm. We saw how that with Adam's sin, a curse was put on the earth. And for the first time ever, thorns and thistles grew out of the ground. I was looking at the rock uh, ledge over at the church parsonage and there were weeds there and I've gotten poison ivy on my hands several times this uh, this uh, grass cutting season just trying to pull weeds and I've learned to put on gloves before I pull weeds. Amen. Very important. Do you know during the millennial reign there will be no poison ivy, poison oak, poison sumac, uh, all of the industries that sell the topical creams and ointments that you use, they're going to go out of business. Amen. Uh, there won't be any more of that. But I looked there, and there was some poison ivy, what appeared to be poison ivy, and it had grown up a little ways, and there were thorns. There were thorns. And you know what I said? That's double trouble. You got poison ivy and thorns. I am not going. I'm going to go get my weed eater, weed whacker, whatever you call it. I can't ever remember what they call it up here. Is it a weed eater or a weed whacker? Where I'm from, it's a weed eater. Amen? You eat up those weeds. And uh, you, you pull that thing out and chop that thing down and hit it with some, some weed kill. Uh, and uh, uh, listen, in, in, in God's kingdom, there are no more weeds. The lion lays down with the lamb. The, the child plays with a, a snake or a scorpion in the ditch and there's no concern of any danger. Right now, the world is under a sin curse and it cries out with a voice we saw the excitement of the land. The earth is crying out for Jesus to come back. And when he does, the sin curse lifted and the earth can uh, have back what it once had before mankind ruined it with sin. Then we saw letter B, the encouragement of the lame. The encouragement of the lame. And we looked at uh, fearful hearts. In fact, look with me quickly at verse 3. Isaiah 35, verse 3 says, Strengthen ye the weak hands. And confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are of a, here it is, fearful heart. Those of you of a fearful heart, remember the Assyrians had surrounded the city and there was trepidation and fear everywhere. They were a, they were a, a people of corporate fear. 
And Isaiah says during this time, he says, Be strong, fear not. Verse 4, Behold, your God will come with vengeance. Even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. Now the beauty of verse 3 and 4 is that this is what we call a double prophecy. A double prophecy. Uh, God sent uh, a, a, a voice, a sound from heaven, and scared away the Assyrians, but they came back. And they came back a second time, and then God killed, sent the death angel down and killed 165,000 soldiers overnight. That's beautiful that God did that for his people. He saved them. This is not the only time Isaiah 35 is talking about. There will come a day when the Antichrist has the Jews pinned in the wilderness during the back half of the tribulation, and he's going to be torturing them and trying to trick them out of their place. And, uh, and, and Jesus is going to come back on a horse, and he's going to save his people yet again from the enemies. And those of you that are afraid, Isaiah 35 verses 3 and 4 will again become relevant during the back half of the tribulation. The Jews will be reading these verses to each other once again. Now that's the interpretation. What is the application to me and you? Life ever make you fearful? You ever want to seek vengeance on someone who's done you wrong? Do you ever wonder where God is during your hardship and your trouble? Again, Christian, strengthen ye the weak hands and, and confirm the feeble, uh, uh, the, the feeble knees. Don't buckle emotionally under the pressure of sin. Let the Lord God sustain you. He will bring vengeance. He will uh, seek recompense on those who have done you wrong. He will save you. But not only does he help the fearful, but he helps the broken bodies. Look at verse 6. Uh, then shall the lame man leap as in heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For the wilderness shall um, uh, waters break out and streams in the desert. We said Jesus walked the earth and he healed during his earthly ministries. That was just a foreshadow of what's going to happen when Jesus sits on the throne in Jerusalem. You're going to have a river that's going to run out from underneath the temple mound where Jesus sits. It's going to run out and break east and west. We looked at that last week. But the deaf and the blind and the lame and the mute will come to Jesus and he will heal them all. The encouragement of the lame. Listen, whether you are emotionally wounded, emotionally handicapped, or physically handicapped, we serve a God who heals all hurts. We serve a God who one day will take all of these hurts and all of the bondage that sin brings, and He is going to heal them all during this millennial reign. Let's look at letter C. Let's look at the exclusivity of the lame. The exclusivity of the lane or the highway. Look with me at verse 8. And the rest of our attention tonight, the next 20 minutes, is going to be focused uh, on these three verses. Look at verse 8, 9, and 10 with me. It says there, And an highway shall be there, and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. But it shall be for those, the wayfaring man, that means the traveling man, the wayfaring man, that, though fools shall not err therein. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go up thereon. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. 
And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon the heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Those are beautiful verses. Those are wonderful verses. Uh, here, now remember again, context is everything. The Israelites living in Judah, they had had their highways cut off by the Assyrians. The Assyrians had conquered almost the entire region, and the only thing left not conquered at this time was the city of Jerusalem. And listen, highways are a big deal, right? When did the U.S. of A. become a powerhouse in the world? When we got our transportation and communication systems in place. When the telegraph turned into the telephone and then the interstate highways went down and we went uh, bigger and better uh, systems to back up even further earlier than that when the uh, transcontinental railroad was put in place that really helped the U.S. of A. take off and and grow because we had communication and transportation. One day there's a transportation uh, highway that's going to be put in, Isaiah says, and it's going to be a highway that's going to take people to Jerusalem where they can go and worship the Lord and it's going to be exclusive to those who are the redeemed and those that genuinely love God. It's going to be a highway of holiness. Those that walk on it will be holy. Those that go down it are going to go worship the one who is holy. Uh, They're going to go to worship the one who is holy. Uh, It will be exclusive to those who are the ransomed and the redeemed in the Lord. Let me give you several thoughts below the exclusivity of the lane uh, here over the next few minutes. Notice first the traveler's sanctity. The traveler's sanctity. Look back with me there at uh, verse number 8. It says, And in highway shall be there. And a way. Now, um, well, let me just see. It shall be called the way of holiness. Jesus came to earth and he lived 33 years. He's nearing the end of his ministry. He has his 12 disciples he's trained up. At this point, I think he was down to 11. But John chapter 14, Jesus says, I'm going to my father, right? John 14, 1 and 2. In my father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive it unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. And then Thomas says, how do we know the way? Well, that is a reference back to Isaiah. Understand, Thomas knew the book of Isaiah. All Hebrew boys knew the book of Isaiah. They had been taught it quite well, quite well. And I wonder if Isaiah, or rather Thomas did not think about Isaiah chapter 35 when he said, show us the way. Jesus made it abundantly clear, verse 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way. I am the way. Uh, That highway, that highway is defined, is known by, is, is titled the highway of holiness. The highway of holiness. Uh, out here, we have Interstate 95. I can tell you right now, that is not a highway of holiness. The Merritt Parkway is doubly not the highway of holiness, right? A lot of people using sign language going up and down that road. And uh, a lot of curse words being thrown out. Probably even right now, right? A lot of people speeding and breaking laws. 
Uh, can you imagine you're getting ready to go to Jerusalem to worship the Lord, and the on-ramp is exclusive, not to easy pass holders. The on-ramp is exclusive to those who are the redeemed in the Lord. You're going on one road. That is the way to Jerusalem. It is the way of holiness, holiness. Only those who've been saved, only those who've been redeemed are going to be allowed on this highway and there won't be any danger on it. We see the traveler's sanctity. To be qualified to travel on this highway, you must have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You must be a believer in Jesus who is the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We see the traveler's sanctity. Notice out of these verses we also see the traveler's safety, the traveler's safety. Go back and look with me at verse number 8. It says, And a highway shall be there, and a way it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean, the unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those, the wayfaring man, though fools uh, shall not err therein. Verse 9, No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go up thereon. It shall not be, uh, it shall not be found there. What is this highway? This highway is a place of great safety. Great safety. Um, you're not going to find anyone unqualified there. There won't be any hijackings or uh, uh, there won't be any, what do you call that when you get the, you thumb a ride, hitchhike? There won't be any hitchhikers. There won't be any hijackings. There won't be any grand theft auto. Uh, there won't be any animals that... Uh, that 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 are threatening the way. I think of the story of the Good Samaritan, right? And you have the gentleman, a Jewish man, traveling from uh, Jerusalem to Jericho, or Jericho to Jerusalem. I don't remember which way he was going, but between those two cities, and he was jumped, he was stripped naked, he was beaten, and left to die on the side of the road. On the highway of holiness, there won't be any traffic accidents. On the highway of holiness, there won't be anybody getting jumped. On the highway of holiness, it will be it will be a safe road to travel on, you won't have to worry about any evil happening because everyone on this road is going in a holy manner to worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We see the highway's safety is highlighted in these verses. Not only are there not bad people, fools on this road, there aren't animals such as uh, uh, birds of prey on this road. How many, time, have you, how, how many of you ever have been driving down the road and you see roadkill over there and birds swarming around and you drive up and they fly away? There won't be any of that on this road. There won't be any ravenous beasts. Uh, there won't be any uh, birds of prey. None of that will exist. You say, Pastor, is this a literal highway that God will put down? I believe, yes, it is. And, and I believe that primarily it will be for the Jews. Now, I, I think Gentiles who are redeemed will be allowed on it also. But listen, you have to understand, there is a great... Hebrew significance to this, and this is a Hebrew book being written by a Hebrew prophet to the Jews here. And uh, listen, we know that they would travel all over Israel to Jerusalem for the feasts and the sacrifices. And that brings us to the third thought about the highway of holiness, and that is the traveler's song. The traveler's song. Um, we're not going to read any of these, but I just want to show you something here. If you're watching this online at home, uh, get, you have a Bible, you want to get your Bible out and see this with me. Turn over to the book of Psalm and turn over to 120. I want to show you something here you maybe didn't know. And if you've attended church a long, long time, probably somebody 
has pointed this out to you or you've just noticed it in your Bible reading. Um, Look at Psalm 120, and if you look at the top of all of the Psalms through the 134th Psalm, Psalm 120 to 134, you'll see this title, A Song of Degrees. You see that there? A Song of Degrees. How many of you have noticed that before in your Bible reading, that that's there? A Song of Degrees. Do you know what that is? A Song of Degrees. The Hebrews knew very well what that was. That Psalm 120 through Psalm 134 were all psalms written by David, and these were songs that were sung as they made the journey from where they lived into Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles and uh, the Feast of Pentecost and the Passover Feast. Every time they made this trip, it was custom for them to sing Psalm 120 to Psalm 134. Now, many uh, Jewish scholars believe that when they got to the temple, especially the Solomon's temple that was built, there were exactly as many steps from the lower level up to the upper level as there are psalms from Psalm 120 to Psalm 134. And so the whole family would take a step up onto a step and they would sing Psalm 120. And then they would take another step up and they would sing Psalm 121. They would continue in this pattern until they got to the top step and sang Psalm 134. And so this highway of holiness, when the Jews are traveled, they've been scattered all over the world. They're traveling back to Jerusalem to worship their God. This is going to be a highway where singing takes place. Place. Look back at verse number 10 of Isaiah 35 there. The Bible says, And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion. Look here. With songs, songs, and everlasting joy upon their heads. These songs of degree will have the dust pushed away, and the Jews will go right back to singing these songs once again in the presence of God, except this time they won't be singing them to the God in heaven that's immaterial that they can't see. They're going to get to Jerusalem. Uh, They're going to have sung these all the way there, and they're going to stand in the presence, physical presence of Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, and they're going to sing the songs of degree as the ransomed and redeemed of the Lord. It's going to be a beautiful time. It's going to be an amazing time. And this is going to happen, and I believe very, very, very soon. And so we see the traveler's sanctity. This is meant for those who are holy, who've had their sins forgiven. We see their safety, and we see their song. And number four, notice the traveler's spirit. The traveler's spirit. Look back at verse number 10 with me. The Bible says, And the ransomed of the Lord shall return. And come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy. There's their spirit upon their heads. And shall obtain joy and gladness. I like this. And sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Sorrow and sighing. You ever sit down and just go. (sighs) Right? And that's a stress reliever, isn't it? When you're able to just kind of. Right? You've been moving at a neck break speed. Right? You've got a lot going on. Um, how many of you, summer is not a vacation. It's extra busy. I'm talking about. <laughs> how many of you don't ever have a, how many of you need a vacation from your vacations? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? You get back on that long road trip or that long flight home and you're exhausted from just the travel. 
And uh, there's the sighings, right? And then we all know about the sorrow, the sorrow. Well, those will be no more on this highway, this highway where we travel to see King Jesus. And uh, the sorrow and sighings, the verse says, shall flee away, take off like a bird. There won't be any more grumbling or griping or arguing or bickering or fighting. There won't be any more sighing over disappointments. Why do we sigh? Well, we sigh because of stress, but another reason why we sigh is because of unmet expectations, right? You have, um, you have a, a loved one that lets you down, doesn't meet your expectation, and that can cause sorrow, at the least sighing, right? You don't get that promotion at work or things aren't working out at your job the way you thought. Somebody lets you down and there's sighing that goes on. <sighs> right? And uh, you can be frustrated over a situation. All of that will flee away. All of that will flee away. Now, why is this important? How is this applicable to me and you right here, right now? I, I and here's, how, here's what I'm going to say. I'm almost done. God has given us a vision of the future so that we won't get discouraged in the present. Can you imagine if there was never anything written about about how God is going to make it all right in the end? Imagine if none of that was in the Bible. Imagine how dark it would be to walk through life, just not knowing. And when you get discouraged in any moment of your life, you need to stop and remember God is on my side. I am on God's side. In the end, he's going to win. And in the end, I am going to rule and reign with Jesus Christ forever. In the end, I'm going to walk the highway of holiness. This is but a fleeting moment. This is going to pass. Sometimes when I'm going through a season in life where I'm discouraged or down, I think about uh, back when I was a little boy and I'd have a bad day. Right? Wouldn't you like to snap your fingers and be a, an eight-year-old for just like one day and then come back to be an adult? I wouldn't want to go back and be eight again because then you've got to go back through school. And I have no desire to go back through school. But just snap your fingers and go back to being a little boy or a little girl, eight-year-old boy, eight-year-old girl, on a summer day where you don't have school and you run around and play with your friends and then come back to reality. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great to just have, you know, your, your greatest care in the world is that, you know, your brother stole your bicycle and rode down the street with it or something, you know. And that would be great, wouldn't it? Uh, I, I think back to when I was a child, and I think back to those times where I'd have a bad day, and then I'd look back over a summer and say, well, that was just a short period of time. When we get to heaven one day, we've been with the Lord for a thousand years, ruling and reigning here, and then he ushers in the new heaven and new earth. We're going to look back at those hardships of, in our life, and we're going to say, oh, what a small window of time that was. That was so small. It was like a five minute. It was like five minutes of a bad day. And God took that from me. And so, listen, when you're going through a hardship, get some perspective of time and understand God is still on the throne and He reigns supreme. A day is as a thousand years with Him. A thousand years is a day. And He's going to make every wrong right. And He's going to uh, passionately pour out His love. And we will stand in the presence of God and we will sing to Him together. Oh, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. Amen? Don't let discouragement own you. Put your eyes on the Lord and know that the future is bright.
Listen, I've read the back of the book. We win. Amen? And so let's hold our heads high and serve Jesus. Let's stand together. We'll pray. And we'll be sent forth to serve the Lord the rest of the week.